Second Timothy, chapter one, verse one through seven. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Two, Timothy, my beloved child. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Word of the Lord. So these are my, uh, I, have a, I have a book of epistles that were written to me. Third Timothy, I call them. <laughs> And these are precious. These are uh, many from my wife, my parents, my in-laws, many of you. Um, I keep these letters and notes. They're over some, some are 15, 20 years old and longer because they're words to me from the Lord through humans, but very much a picture of God's word to me. Um, some precious ones. I have one here from my godson from Afghanistan just before he perished on an IED. I have one from someone in our congregation who writes me true epistles of faith, reminding me that I don't need to fight in this battle. The Lord's fighting for me, ignoring everything but the power of the crucified, risen one who calls you This one from a younger member of congregation that says, My mom told me that your mom was dead, so I wrote you a letter. (laughs) Don't you love that honesty? She says, You don't have to be sad, because your mom's in the best place in the world. It's a place so great, all the adjectives in the world could not describe it. I mean all the good adjectives. (laughs) I'm praying for you. I keep those, I, I read them often, more often than you might think. Here's another letter, not written to this Timothy, but another one, a very, very personal letter. More personal than we can imagine, we have to read it like that. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus to Timothy, my beloved son. We're, we're reading a personal note here this morning. Do you get that? We're reading a personal letter. And with that, if I read you all my letters, you, you wouldn't understand everything that's said in there because they make references to things that the person and I know about, but you might not. And that's true of this letter as well. We don't, we're not going to understand every word in here. We're going to have to read between the lines and fill some things in because this is a personal note. It's one of three Epistles that are called the pastoral epistles for that reason. Timothy received two of them, and Titus, another man, received another. And these were sons of the faith of Paul's, their spiritual father. And so he's writing them as young pastors. Paul, at this point, is in prison. But unlike when he wrote some of the earlier 
epistles from prison where he was under house arrest. And so he was free to come and go, free to have visitors, and, and the circumstances were a lot better. This time, he's, it says he's in a cold cell chained to the wall, more what we might think about as really brutal, hardened conditions. When I teach Scripture, if you've been with me over the last seven years, I was looking it up, we've been through about 30 books of Scripture together, almost half the Bible um, over the last seven years. Some I've covered in more detail than others. I've never covered, I've never really preached on any of the pastoral epistles. And you may say, well, why start with 2 Timothy? I mean, why not just go from 1 Timothy, you know, and go from there? Well, because I... Pastor, I get to do what I want. No, no, I really sense as I read all the pastoral epistles, I read through, and there were several themes in there that I feel like at least some of you that I've talked to and know about would really benefit, including this person here, would benefit from two themes that really come. It's an encouragement to persevere in faith when circumstances are really hard. So if you find yourself into sort of circumstances that are difficult, on a daily basis, this book speaks of Paul, the end of his life. He thought he was not going to get out of prison. He would die here. Tradition says he did. They don't, we don't know, but it, it's quite likely he did die. And second, in addition to just a, a word to persevere, this is an encouragement to hold fast to the word of hope. And Paul doesn't want people to be ashamed of the situation he's in. He wants them to be take an honest look at what it means to follow Christ, which means it's not going to be easy. All through this, it says there's going to be suffering involved at various levels. So let's be honest and real about that, but that the hope and the joy set before him was more than enough to carry him through this circumstance. So... Over the next few weeks, I don't know quite how long we'll take through this, but over the next few weeks, I want to uh, move through 2 Timothy and just point out some things that strike me about this that would encourage us. So as we look at this uh, first passage here, these first seven verses, if you have your Bible, I'll invite you to open. Paul does his normal greeting that marks most of his letters reminding himself of who he is, an apostle of Christ. Why? What makes him that? Because of God's will and the promise of life. To who it's addressed, to Timothy, this young man, relatively speaking, who was pastoring a church and needed encouragement. And he offers him God's grace, mercy, and peace. In verse 3, Paul says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. He wants to be with Timothy. And he says in verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So Paul recounts not only that his faith didn't start with him, that his ancestors, though they didn't know Christ, were faithful to what they knew of God's Word. And then Timothy, he names the names of this grandmother and mother. How many of you all have individuals in your life, either relatives, parents, grandparents, or older people in your life that functioned in that role, who modeled for you, prayed for you, 
and helped you along to Christ. How many people can say that here? Can I tell you something that that's, it's not everyone. Sometimes you're the first in the line and you really can't mark that, although you may not know someone that prayed for you in distant years. But that please don't underestimate either the power of what Christ has done through godly people in your past or what you can provide now as parents, grandparents, to pray for and to love and to guide your own children or others who may not be blood-related. But I've been amazed when I look back, um, we, we couldn't really recount a lot of faith in my family prior to when my parents came to Christ in the uh, about the time I was born in the late 1950s. At last count, now there are 40 to 50 cousins and uncles and aunts and even my own grandparents, my grandmother who came to faith in her 80s. And, you know, the tree works through family. Please, I know some of you grieve over your own family members who aren't with Christ yet. Please don't give up. I'm sure Lois and Eunice at some point may have been tempted to say, you know, I don't know what Timothy's life was like, although he seemed to be faithful when we meet him. But please don't give up. God works through family, His promise. So keep praying for your children. And if your children have been there and have wandered away for whatever reason, please don't give up. Okay? So, Paul gets then to a theme that we're going to come back to several times in this book in verse 6 and verse 7. For this reason, because he wants to remind him, he's reminded of of the sincere faith and all the, the things that Timothy has had invested in him. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Uh, I'm asked periodically, I work out at local Starbucks and Wegmans and other coffee shops, and one of, one of the uh, things that you do if you work there regularly is you're asked to be the guard over um, computers as people have to leave their table for a minute. Probably a hundred times in the last five years I've been asked, hey, can you watch my computer for just a minute? You know, okay, that's a normal request, not, not a bad thing. I've got to step in and get, get some more coffee or whatever, and we're sitting outside at a table. And you know, what's, what's interesting is when I'm asked to guard something or watch something like that, I'll walk away from my own things and, and not pay a bit of attention to it. But when someone asks me to guard something, I'm actually more diligent and vigilant to actually guard it. Like if someone walks by the table and sort of stands there for a minute, I'm like, I'm sort of the watchdog, you know, kind of like, hey, what you, you know, what you doing? I was asked to guard that. I was asked to watch over that. You know, so I'm a, uh, can I help you? You know, somebody's watching over, right? Um, when you're asked to watch over something, you should be in a position where you're alert and vigilant to watch it. Okay, when I was, there's a, a I don't know if this is true because I was a baby, but it's in the McGowan family lore, so I'll tell you, is that um, my mother tells the story, or she used to before she died, as you know from that letter. Uh, <laughs> she's with the Lord now. But uh, she told the story of when we were at our local swimming pool, and uh, she asked one of my siblings, I think it was Tad, but he, he'll probably deny it, my oldest brother, and uh, and she said, can you watch uh, Tim, the, I'm the youngest of four, and the stroller here for a minute while I go off and do something at the pool uh, snack shop or whatever. And she comes back and the carriage is gone. And she says to whichever sibling, I told, I told you to watch it. 
And he says, well, I watched it as the carriage, which has been in a little incline, is now slowly sinking into the pool. Which my mother dives into the pool, and she says, I was happy as a lark, didn't care a bit, probably glad to get wet. And my, my, my brother, whichever one it was, Tad or Mark, swears to this day he was quite vigilant. He did exactly what he was told to do. He, was, he watched me, but he didn't guard me. One of my favorite things to do as a young person was to, when my dad, we had three fireplaces in our house, and my dad, when we'd have fires going in the various spots, when I was small, he'd say, now, now keep the fire burning a little bit because we're getting down, we just have embers left, and if you let it go, it's going to go out. Our wood pile was way on the other side of the house, and it was kind of a long walk, and so when I go get more wood, and I loved, you know, as a little kid, because we had this thing called the bellows, you know, these things that you'd pump. Oh, man, that was the funnest thing ever because I got to sort of be a pyro and, and sort of, you know, play with the fire. And as there's a little bit of coals left and it's, it's burning, you know, you get the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And what happens? It changes into that that orange. I love that. I don't know about you, but I got a real rush out of that and feeling that that heat coming out. And I wasn't adding any fuel, but I was fanning the flame. I was stirring up the coals preparing for more wood for the fire. And that's the language, that's the word that Paul uses this morning to Timothy. And I can only imagine that this young pastor, probably younger than I, much, he, my guess is, his strength may have been failing. He may have been, spiritually, he may have been, at at this point of his ministry, maybe feeling timid about whatever gifts God had put within him, whatever the calling was, who knows what kind of pressure. Goodness, more than likely Nero is the emperor at this point, and this would have been in the 60s. We talked about this when we went through the Gospel of Mark. This is the time where Christians are getting burned and thrown to lions, and who knows what it's like to pastor a church when Christianity, while may or may not have been outlawed, was at the risk of your life, and here you are, a pastor, and your, your mentor, your spiritual father is in jail, languishing in, in the worst of a Roman prison. And there you are, and, and you're supposed to just carry on. And Paul says to him, look, Timothy, your mother, your grandmother, my ancestors, long before we were ever doing this, they prayed for you and they instilled in you a sense of God and when we laid our hands on you, and this comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, there's a, a picture of when Timothy's probably being ordained to ministry and they lay hands on him and they prophesy over him. It says the gifts that were given you at that time, probably gifts that were already resonant within Timothy but were coming out of him, spiritual gifts that he would need for the day at hand. Paul says, I think these things are kind of dying. The, the embers are are going out. And you need to fan into flame. You need to take that bellows and begin to fan into flame what God has done. And remind yourself. Let's look at the language here and let's look at what he says. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul was probably one of the elders that was there uh, commissioning Timothy at the time. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. 
We don't know exactly what the gift is referring to. We know it is done through the Holy Spirit, whether it was a gift of teaching, whether it was a gift of courage to stand in a day where your faith was under attack and just to be able to witness for Christ when it cost you something. We don't know exactly what that gift was, but whatever it was, we know that Timothy was perhaps shrinking back from that or needed encouragement. So let me just say very simply, this is a relatively short message as we introduce that. So let me just say a very personal word. Now, if if you're not yet a believer in Christ, then I want to welcome you to come and and embrace this truth. But for those of you who are, but your faith is flagged, and you feel like, man, I just, I feel like the embers are dying a little bit. I feel like my love for others, my love for my family, my love for, for God is just, I'm struggling with that. I want to just give you a bellows of of the Holy Spirit because it is not through human endeavor or human striving that we rekindle our love for God. It is in submitting to the goodness of the grace of the Holy Spirit where He goes, (sighs) Remember when Jesus in the first disciples in the Gospel of John, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Once again, at Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon believers who were timid and who were up in an upper room not sure what to do. And here a young pastor, and you don't have to be a pastor to receive this word. This is open-ended. Many of you... may sense that, gosh, my own faith is not where it it should be. Each one of us, this isn't written solely to people in pastoral ministry full-time as I am. Each one of you, the Bible says, has a gift. The gifts can be wide-ranging. Your your gift may be one of evangelism to share your faith boldly. Your gift may be something of, of, of teaching your children or others. Your gift may be in in uh, a way to give and to be generous. They're, the gifts are, are many-fold. But that if we do not fan the flame by submitting those to the Holy Spirit and practicing them, the Bible says they can go out. The, the, the Spirit can be quenched as well as fanned into flame. First Thessalonians talks about don't quench the Holy Spirit and these gifts that are there. What do we do to quench something? Well, when we quench things, that was the other fun part, when you get to throw the the water on the fire at the end and hear the shh. But don't try to light the fire again once you've quenched it. It's not as easy as it seems. It's difficult. So let me just say this word in closing. Don't ignore, neglect the fire, the flame, the gift. I don't know what your particular gifts are, but I know that if you're a Christian, that God wants the Holy Spirit to be ignited within you. And I ask you to use whatever gift you have, even if it's just a little bit. Whatever God has given you, use it. And that's the first part of fanning that flame. Even if anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly. (laughs) You think, well, I'm not that great at teaching. 
Well, I can tell, I can promise you one way you'll never become a great teacher. Don't teach. Your first message probably won't be that great, frankly. But if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Unto the Lord. And you will get better because these gifts grow in you. you say, well, I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 I'm timid. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know how this will go. I, I feel nervous about it. Have I got a scripture for you? God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity or of fear. He's given you a, this spirit of power. The power of the Holy Spirit, not the power of you. The power of you is nothing. But He's given you a power outside yourself that can do more than you can ask or think. The power of His Spirit. Of love. Not from you. You don't have enough love to love your kids, your wife, your family, your friends. You don't have enough love resonant within you to love the way Jesus wants us to love and He's loved us. And of self-discipline and self-control. And you say, well, I just can't. I'm a, I'm a slave to that sin. I just can't do it. I say you can. Because the Spirit of God within you greater than the Spirit of this world. But you have to determine to fan into flame the gift of God. You lack courage, the gift of God. Be courageous, my friend. The word courage is from the French for heart. Take heart because it starts here in your heart. You may be afraid. You may be feel not so sure when you start. But take heart. God's Spirit, a Spirit of power and love and a sound mind or self-discipline, when you submit to Him, you can, it can be fanned into flame. We're going to look, the Scripture, we're going to look at the second great theme next week because this ties together, and I'm going to encourage you to read this week the, the first chapter of Second Timothy several times. It's very short because the spirit of fear is followed up by this verse, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in the suffering of of the gospel. I don't know how much we suffer for the gospel. I don't know how much I suffer for the gospel. We live in a pretty affluent, prosperous times. We may suffer more. I don't know. Maybe you suffer a great deal. Can I tell you that courage and the power will come as you put yourself in positions where God's Spirit can encourage you. And if we're, if we've laid ourselves down for the gospel in a way of suffering, I think you will feel and sense the Holy Spirit coming inside you as you submit yourself to His care, which may or may not be easy, but it's more than worthwhile. Let me finish, before we take communion, let me just finish again with this passage of Scripture. Maybe close your eyes and just receive this to you. I'll let your name be filled in here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that's in Christ Jesus to you. My beloved child, grace and mercy and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve 
as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that has dwelt with others before you in your family. I'm sure it dwells in you as well. And so I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Lord Jesus, let's receive these words to each of us, Lord, that you would speak your spirit into us, something that we can't muster up in ourselves, but that you provide the power to live righteously because you have died for us. Lord, to share the love that we've been given freely. And Lord, to walk in the self-discipline and the self-control to open ourselves to the things of God and close ourselves to the things of earth.